Our teenagers are attracted to things that are chic and trendy, and often more so when there's a feeling that it's somewhat taboo. But what happens when that taboo stigma is gone? Well, so go any inhibitions about the activity. When inhibitions are gone, appetites, habits, and even addictions can be acquired. Not that long ago, homosexual activity was considered taboo by most Americans, even shameful or sinful in the church. In fact, sodomy was considered a federal crime in all 50 states until 1962. Today, however, homosexual behavior is not only legal, but for many it's actually considered chic or trendy and no longer taboo. Preparing ourselves and our kids to navigate a world that no longer knows how to blush, that's next on Licensed to Parent. Well, we are glad to have you with us today on Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and their families. I'm Rich Rosal, and our host is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill Academy, Trace Embry. And Trace, it's um, it's always been hard to start a conversation about the birds and the bees with our kids. But as as we've said before, these days especially, this cannot be a one-time event, but rather an ongoing sex conversation with our kids, especially mm-hmm. since the uh, the content of that talk has become much broader than oh, it man, used to be. You're exactly right, Rich. And what makes it even more difficult is that our culture is now normalizing what God calls perversion and sin. And, and, and while culture is telling our kids that they can do what they want to do when they want to do it uh, through the Internet, social media, TV, uh, music, movies, and a million other venues, the culture isn't giving them, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest, the rest of the, of the story. story. Yeah. Uh, there are many things in life that, that I can do if I wanted to, um, and, and though they may even be legal, I choose not to uh, uh, pursue because uh, these particular things uh, – not only could they be harmful to me personally, but engaging in them could also be a loss, uh, a hurt, or at least an offense to those closest to me. And and certainly uh, that includes God. Yeah. Uh, engaging in these things ultimately could have a, a negative impact on my entire culture. Uh, I, I'm thinking of, of, of the, the seven deadly sins, Rich, pride, envy, gluttony, greed, wrath, sloth, and lust. And, and under... Lust would include any sexual sin, uh, including, but not limited to, fornication, adultery, and homosexuality. It's also important for our kids to know that what we do in the privacy of our own bedrooms uh, will, in one way or another, to one degree or another, likely eventually affect others or a group of others in one way or the other. Like I said, one, one way or the other. But yeah, we, we think that it stays in the privacy right. of our bedroom, but it affects our lives and the way we react to people outside. In more way, we can do a whole program just on that. Yeah. Uh, but just because I choose not to actively pursue any of these proclivities, mindsets, uh, and behaviors, that doesn't mean I couldn't be tripped up by one of these things from time to time or even more than one or several. Uh, because we're all weak in at least one of these areas and sometimes several of these areas. Uh, but to make a conscious choice ahead of time to willingly cave to my uh, carnality so that I can pursue any or all of these activities and, uh, uh, and emotions, ba- sins basically, is showing no thought uh, or no re- real love to those who know me best and love me most. And this certainly includes the God who, who loved us enough to sacrifice his own son for us. Mm-hmm. Christ, Think about this. Christ sacrificed himself Yes, yet we're not willing to love him back enough or love others around us enough to sacrifice nothing more than our sin. It's, it's insane. Yeah. 
Sex is not a need. It is a strong desire, arguably our strongest outside of food, water, and air. But unlike food, water, and air, we don't need sex to live. Yet with God in the equation, he's given humankind this beautiful and pleasurable option to anyone when it's conducted within the, the boundary of his ecosystem, of course, that being marriage. Outside of that parameter, sex can, be, can have some awful consequences. Uh, we can do our best to exercise safe sex, but as we said before, sex was never meant to be dangerous. Inside right. of marriage, sex is not only safe, it's beautiful, it's pleasurable, and when the time is right, it's also very productive. You know, we're talking offspring here. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm talking marriage between a man and a woman, which that very statement is as redundant as saying, give me a chicken sandwich with chicken on it. Uh, I shouldn't have to say put chicken on it. Chicken sandwiches have chicken on them, okay? And you know, in I, way, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to challenge that. Well, another way of saying that if someone said this, give me a chicken sandwich with no bread, that person wouldn't actually be asking for a sandwich at all, would he? No, uh, just because, be asking for chicken. Right, because no bread on each side of the chicken, there's not a chicken sandwich in the equation. Well, likewise, like a man and a woman in the equation, there's no real marriage either. Uh, without a man and woman in the equation, there's no real marriage either. It may be some kind of union with some kind of definition. I'm not debating that, but it's not a marriage, at least not as God and all of human history has defined it anyway. So before we can discuss homosexuality with our kids, we've got to come to terms with some terms and bring some reality to reality. Mm. Well, we're inviting, as we always do, help on this matter. Yes. Ann Polk is the executive director of the Restored Hope Network. That's a coalition of ministries that offer hope and healing to those caught in a homosexual lifestyle. Uh, Ann is an author and also a speaker on homosexual issues, having appeared on Oprah Winfrey, Good Morning America, the CBS Evening News, the 700 Club. Uh, also, she was featured in People magazine. She's the author of Restoring Sexual Identity, Hope for Women Who Struggle with Same-Sex Attraction. And, uh, Trace, we have had similar conversations with men on this topic, but far fewer with women. So we've invited Ann Polk to join us today uh, to do all the heavy lifting. Well, Anne, welcome to the Licensed Apparent Broadcast. It's a pleasure to be with you. And before we get into our discussion, uh, can, can you bring our listeners up to speed with a little bit about your background and, and the work that you're doing with Restored Hope Network? You bet. Um, I struggled with homosexuality early on. I was molested at age four, but never dealt with it. Mm. And somehow, as a four-year-old, thought I was responsible for what had occurred. I tried to fix myself, so to speak, uh, and late high school, dating several boys, trying to make myself normal, um, and then finally said, to heck with it, I'm a lesbian. What am I going to do with the little bit of knowledge that I had of the Bible and no experience with the God of the Bible, hmm. um, not a personal relationship? And so I threw that out when I went away to college my first year and embraced homosexual identity and relationships. Going to a, a gay group on campus, trying to meet people that way, super nervous, went to gay bars, even though I was very underage at that time in California. Um, they let me in. Hmm. Um, gay movies, you name it, hanging out with uh, the rugby team on campus. I was seeking to be to, to get right into that community, and it was opening its doors wide. So that was wonderful for me and terrifying for me all at the same time, very exciting. And then I started having dreams about Jesus, which wrecked the whole nine yards. Um, <laughs> it changes things. Yep. So anyways, there I was away at college, and I started having dreams about Jesus, but I was surrounded by 
uh, mostly heterosexual Jewish friends who uh, at that point were like, what? I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. So I asked uh, whoever at the dorms, okay, well, what is Jesus? Who is he? What does he say about himself? And nobody could really answer my questions. I don't care what denomination they were mm-hmm. or whether they were Catholic or Protestant. And so I kept asking because it was beginning to haunt me. Um, and I surprisingly defended Jesus at a, at a meal with my Jewish friends. And I thought, what is wrong with me? <laughs> mm. Something is going on here. The Holy Spirit was tugging at my heart and um, eventually ended up at a um, evangelism training class where I got to have most of my questions answered. It was essentially, uh, there was one group on campus, it happened to be a Baptist group, um, that said, yeah, we're talking about all those things, come to this eight-week class, and we're thrilled to, you know, cover that with you. Well, towards the end of that eight weeks, we were praying, and I was pretending to fit in, and um, as I did that, I recognized that there was a person in the room that I couldn't see, uh, but could sense. And that person was full of kindness and full of authority. And uh, it was kind of this amazing combination that I'd never run into Hmm. before, quite like that. Full of power and using the power wisely. You know, that kind of, that blows you away. Mm -hmm. That's just mind-blowing compared to everything else in life. And so I, 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 I knew that this was some, I had to have that in my life. And it was very obvious that that person was not in my life. So God outed me, even as I pretended to uh, pray silently and tried to fit in. He, he showed up and, and showed me that, no, by the way, I'm not in your life and you can't pretend this. And so um, I went to the pastor afterwards and said, okay, I, I am very aware that there's someone who is interacting here that, I want in my life, I've got to have this, I've got to have this person in my life, but I want to be gay. So what do I do? And he just, he just laid out the, the scripture for me and said, look, it's sin. God doesn't allow you to continue in sin, but here's, here's what you need to decide. Are you going to um, surrender your life to him? And if you want him to come into your life, you surrender all of your life to him. Mm. And that's the message, unfortunately, that I hear kind of missing these days. Sure. Um, when, when we receive Jesus and, and you go to a church and they have a seeker friendly model, um, they just say, come to the Lord as you are, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what about trading the Lordship of your life to the Lord of all the earth? Um, you are now giving up your right to rule it and to decide your ways. You're giving your all, your sin, your mess, your disaster for the one who knows how to run things well, who designed you, who wants to come and be part of your life. You're trading all of what you are for all of what he is. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That, that's uh, something we all need to, to be doing on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, yes. Did you share that story with Oprah? I did. How'd she receive that? You know, she was, um, she was just really curious. She didn't buy into anything. Yeah. Um, she has family members who are gay and, so, and the whole production team seemed to be gay, and the audience was full of gay activists. And yeah. So it was it was fascinating. I was grateful for a Jamaican woman who was a born again believer in the audience, who stood up for us. <laughs> good. Yeah. It was kind of contentious. I really do believe that uh, even in the mental health field. Uh, 
that professionals within in the field, it's not so much about the truth about the issue. It's about the politics behind the issue. Uh, am I going to lose a, a career opportunity, a status within my, my peers? Uh, this is the kind of stuff that's going on, and uh, that's frightening to me. Um, but I want to ask you about restored hope. Uh, that was the second part of my first question. T- tell us a little bit about that. And if a parent had a child who had a same-sex attraction but actually wanted help in this area, uh, what could your network do uh, to assist that family? Well, we have um, member ministries all across the U.S., some of whom are trained professional counselors who are Christians. Obviously, we're an entirely Christian organization. Uh, so we have Christian counselors, um, Christian pastors, other people who have left homosexuality like myself and who have been uh, coaching people for many years, uh, pastoral and lay coaching, and many, many, many lives have changed as a result of it. So we affirm God's design, which is magnificent. His design is so brilliant. I mean, he's, from the beginning, you see that the marriage between man and woman, the covenant relationship between the two, was meant to reflect heaven to each future generation of of humans. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is the bridegroom for the bride. I mean, it's, a, it's the wooing of the king of all kings for those whom he loves, which is any who will come to him and, and receive him as mm-hmm. Lord yeah. and Savior. And so it's this pursuit of the bridegroom for the church, for the bride. And that's been reflected through every generation of human beings. Right. Right. And so when we give that up, it's, we're not just con- conceding marriage, per se. We're conceding God's testament to himself yeah. through mankind. I mean, it's really a big picture of grace and redemption. Yeah. It's yep. a, it's, we fail all the time in how to, how to produce a good marriage, mind you. I mean, we're an, we're an inadequate reflection. Even the best human marriages cannot compare to the one that God has established with his church. But... It is indeed a heavenly echo, and so it's really important that we understand that, mm-hmm. um, and, and that reflects how to have intimate sexual relations that matters to God. That is not outside of his realm of decision-making, and he, he did this. He designed it the way he did because it reflects him throughout all generations of men. Yeah. The, the other night, uh, I was in a parking lot, and um, uh, there were two— Obviously, uh, flamboyantly uh, gay guys. Uh, I, I won't go into the details, with the exception of this. Uh, the, the one guy on the his the front of his shirt said, uh, "Jesus has forgiven me of all my sins." Really big. And as a Christian myself, what is my obligation in that situation? Do I just because my my daughter was with me? Uh, do I walk by them and say nothing? Do I say, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer here. Uh, can we, can we have a little conversation?" Because outside of the way they were dressed and the way they were kind of conducting their affairs, uh, you just have to trust me; these guys were were gay. Uh, what do I? What, what does a parent do in a situation? Because public uh, uh, displays of affection. Uh, male, male, female, female, are going to grow now. And we're going to have to deal with this in the public with our kids. And now that this guy is advertising himself as a, as a believer, what is my responsibility as a believer in this, in this situation? Well, there are a number of 
potentials. Um, one is if you felt like you would get angry and let the guy have it um, and no longer have an open door to have conversation, right? then that would probably be best to talk to your daughter privately and, and talk about it and go, well, what do you think about what he had to say? Et cetera. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. Oh, well, what do you think Jesus would have, you know, and, and go into and then use that as a springboard for conversation about mm-hmm. the topic. Great. Uh, but if you felt like, wow, that's really an error, I wonder where he's coming from, then that might be a great way to approach him and say, hey, guys, I noticed you're wearing that shirt. Um, so what does that mean to you in your relationship Yeah, tell uh, me about with Jesus. Jesus? Is he your Lord? Yeah. Can you, go, let's talk about this. Yeah. If he's forgiving you, why are you now engaging in this? Yeah. You might find out that he's really been struggling and this is a fall for him that he just happened upon this relationship and, and his flesh got the better of him. And yeah. now he's being outed by, he's, he's being brought to uh, accountability by a brother in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be that, or it might be who knows what you, you, you don't know. I need to jump in here real quickly because sure. we need to take a break. And we're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Ann Polk, author of the book, Restoring Sexual Identity, Hope for Women Who Struggle with Same-Sex Attraction. It's available online through christianbook.com. She's also executive director for the Restored Hope Network, which you'll find online at restoredhopenetwork.com. When we come back, I want to ask a question about uh, pulling people out of this lifestyle or leading them out of this lifestyle. And that, that question lands with, are we trying to convert a homosexual to heterosexuality, or are we merely trying to get them out of the homosexual lifestyle where they're practicing? We'll talk about this and more on this uh, rather difficult topic when we return. This is Licensed to Parent. We're online at licensedtoparent.org. Back in a moment. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherd's Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month, Christ-centered, nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful 
in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, working with teens in crisis for over 20 years now. And our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Ann Polk. She's author of the book Restoring Sexual Identity, Hope for Women Who Struggle with Same-Sex Attraction, available online through christianbook.com. And just before the break, I raised perhaps a, a, a thorny question here, but I I'd like you, if you would, to, to fill us in a little bit more on what your journey has been like. You said that you were in uh, a, a lesbian lifestyle for a while, but you've come out of that. In your case, did you come out and start a heterosexual relationship or merely stop uh, the behavior that would go with a lesbian lifestyle? Uh, what, what did that look like for you? Well, it looked like um, falling in love with Jesus, first and foremost. And so my... Um commitment was to a relationship with Jesus. It had nothing to do with now dating men or dating women or anything. It was about obedience to Christ and surrendering homosexual desire to his lordship, which meant um, abstaining from homosexual behavior. Um, I was successful in that for a few years and then stumbled, and then I got real help uh, when I was really ready uh, to look for help. And that's what led me to uh, a Christian ministry that helped people who are overcoming homosexuality, which is why I even talk about this these days, because it's such a vital support for those who are looking for help. You know, there are heterosexual people who are not married and who also abstain from sex, so it's not, um, it's not a huge difference living their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul highly regards singleness. Yeah. So that's one thing. The other is that sometimes as God works in a person's life, um, and they feel better about themselves or more secure as a woman or man, they might find themselves having emergent feelings for a member, a special member of the opposite sex. I remember when, uh, when I was about 26 that I began to have crushes on a few of the guys because I felt so good about I fit with the other women. I didn't need to sexualize them anymore. I was part of the women's ministry. They loved me. They embraced me as their sister. And honestly, I felt really good. I was growing. I was letting go of the hurts of the past. Um, I had forgiven the molester when I was four years old and really gained some ground. Um, And, you know, a lot of things then I began to really enjoy being a woman. And during that time, I noticed, wow, men are really different. Um, They're really different. (laughs) I'm feeling really good about being a girl. And, um, what makes them tick? <laughs> That's what and opened up the door for the potential future of, of marriage. Because I actually recognized something magnificent about how God had done something different here. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it never occurred to me, but it felt like going through puberty at age 26. <laughs> so some people go through that kind of experience. And so that they've, uh, they've opened the door for other potential futures. If they get married and they're still massively struggling with homosexuality, it's actually not real safe to the person they marry because what happens if they stumble and they no longer repent? And the reason why I say that is because I was married to a man who it appeared had turned away from homosexuality, had feelings to me, and believe me, he did, 
Um, he proposed to me back in 1991. We got married in 92 and um, had been married for 21 years when he returned to the gay life. How do you explain that? Well, he dabbled and, and played around with his past. I, on the other hand, blocked up the doors and shuttered the windows and put bricks in the place of the old pathway. So does that give credence then to the, the, uh, the scripture that says, as a man thinks, so is he? And, and how important is it uh, not to fuel, dwell, or muse on, on these random uh, homosexual thoughts, for lack of a better term, uh, that um, that may come unsolicited into your head because we know that when we we dwell right. on something that we're actually building brain connections uh, to fuel our, our, ourselves in that direction. So uh, you had right. to make a conscious effort to uh, train yourself to be godly. That's what Scripture says, right? And so, but science says the same thing. Right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it's like uh, training your body for a sport while mm-hmm. you're training your mind for yeah. obedience to Christ. Yeah. And so um, if you give way and you make room for gay porn or fantasy and you're dwelling on that, um, you leave room to go that direction. Um, so if you're heading towards sin and you're allowing um, temptation to lead your pathway, you've, you've come under the lordship of sin. Yeah. You're, you're beginning to give it room to rule in your life. And Jesus said, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. And I'd rather be a slave to Christ. Uh, when you sin, come to the Lord. Come to the throne of grace. Ask for his mercy. Um, and he, he is rich and able to give you the mercy that you request. Yeah. And then surrender your way and accountability as you go through that. Um, if you're struggling with porn, you need to talk to some other people who are walking out of pornography. Uh, if you're struggling with homosexual desire... It might really help to talk to people who are also leaving homosexuality because you can hold each other accountable in ways that other people can't. Yeah, you yeah. can open up conversation about things that are a little more delicate um, that, that you might feel judged about by others. Yeah. And yet you need that place where you can unload the soul and pray for one another that you might be healed. And, um, you know, it's setting new pathways for your feet. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Ann Polk, author of the book, Restoring Sexual Identity, Hope for Women Who Struggle with Same-Sex Attraction. Uh, That is available through christianbook.com. Ann is also the executive director of the Restored Hope Network online at restoredhopenetwork.com. And incidentally, that website has a resources page with a vast array of books, articles, DVDs, and a whole lot more for those struggling with or for those who have family members dealing with sexual and gender issues and for those simply wanting a better understanding of this topic in light of Scripture. Again, that website is RestoredHopeNetwork.com. And Anne, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today on Licensed to Parent. You are absolutely welcome. What a pleasure to be with you. And this is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Now, we produce this program to share some of the hard lessons that come from working with troubled teens day after day. And if you'd like to learn more about our work at Shepherd's Hill, or perhaps you'd like to sign up to receive the Shepherd's Hill Journal, that's our monthly newsletter to friends and supporters, just visit our website, licensedparent.org, and click the link to Shepherd's Hill Academy. And as always, if you can help financially, and we certainly hope you will, please click the Donate button at the top of the page at licensedparent.org. 
By the way, we were blessed recently with a donation of an all-terrain vehicle to help our staff get around and work on the property here. And there are always other physical needs as well. You can learn more about that when you subscribe to the Shepherd's Hill Journal and learn more about what we're doing here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Click the link to Shepherd's Hill when you visit licensedaparent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.